up, everybody? You're listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 118. And on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing the new Ari Aster film, Bo is Afraid. It's going to be a very fun convo. Can't wait to get into it. But first, let me introduce my co-host, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello, Matthew. And very special guest, Kyle from Southern Cinema. Welcome back. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Anytime. This is going to be a uh, an interesting discussion, I believe. Uh, usually on this show, we've got, you know, 10, 15, sometimes even 20 minutes of just rambling about video games or concerts or Pokemon cards, you know, kind of whatever we feel like talking about. But uh, we're not here to fuck around today. So today, some of the listeners are probably, this is, they probably have been begging for this the whole time this has been a show but uh we're gonna skip all the preamble shit and we are gonna dive right into our featured review so unless there are any objections from either of the two of you any any very important business that needs to be discussed before we talk about this movie either of you Mm, no none of this is important Yeah, the only thing that's important (laughs) is getting the fuck out of here. All right. (laughs) Love the energy. All right. So we're going to skip all the preamble bullshit. We're going to dive right into our featured review. So we're going to be talking Bo is Afraid, the third feature film from acclaimed writer and director Ari Aster. Um I should have had the plot synopsis pulled up ahead of time, but I did not. So give me just a brief moment while IMDb loads on my laptop. Oh, beautiful. On my last laptop, that would have taken 20 minutes to load, but instantaneous today, folks. Love to see it. All right, plot synopsis. Following the sudden death of his mother, a mild-mannered but anxiety-ridden man confronts his darkest fears as he embarks on an epic Kafka-esque odyssey back home. Film was written and directed by Ari Aster. Film stars Joaquin Phoenix, Patti Lupone, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, Parker Posey, and uh, several other familiar faces. But enough about the cast. Let's talk about the film. So, who would like to go first? Kyle, you're the guest. If you'd like to go first, you may. Otherwise, you can defer. What are we doing here, folks? Uh, sure. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I, uh, left Bo was afraid quite perplexed. I'm sure as many people, uh, did, but then once it sat with me for a while, um, just kind of reflected on it as more of an experience rather than trying to put the puzzle pieces together. Um, I think you definitely can do that in some instances, but there's a lot of this movie that's left up to interpretation, which is one of the things I like about it. Uh, I think it looks amazing. It's very dreamlike in some instances. Um, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is great. All the supporting cast is great. And yeah, Ari Aster if people weren't a fan of his previous two movies, I wouldn't recommend this, but uh, I do think it's one of the most unique movies I have seen in a very long time. So uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that for general thoughts and we can get into it. Okay. So maybe a little mixed or at least, I mean, the word you use was perplexed, but at least to start, weren't sure what to think and maybe uh, came out on the positive side of things. Is that kind of where we're at? Yeah, Is definitely. A- just, uh, just like viscerally, and uh, just the emotion of like something so unique and you know artistic. Like that definitely is just enough to keep it positive for me. And whether all the things work in it or not, um, yeah, I definitely could see somebody trying to you know, find explanation for everything, they would get frustrated by it. But yeah, I kind of stopped and just like let that go after a certain point and it was a lot smoother ride. So uh, yeah, I would definitely say I'm positive on it. Very cool. Okay. Travis, what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, well, I would say 
while watching it and right after i was a little more on the negative side but um after sitting with it for a few days and uh hearing other people talk about the movie i've liked it a bit more in my head but i think where i lie right now is somewhere on the fence um i like some of the ideas in the movie but i didn't necessarily love the execution um at least on first viewing i think i would like to rewatch this movie at some point but i'm also hesitant to rewatch it anytime soon just because it is uh somewhat of a grueling experience um there are yeah there are aspects to like uh like joaquin phoenix's performance but he's always great so that seems a little redundant to point out and i don't think this is one of my favorite performances of his but it is a strong one um Yeah, as far as Ari Aster goes, uh, I have liked his previous two features quite a bit, um, but they are going down, starting with, you know, with Hereditary to Midsummer to this. It's a downward trajectory. Mm. Uh, this one just feels like it was maybe trying to do a little too much. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying uh, he's not a good filmmaker or isn't a smart guy. Uh, I could be the dumb one here, but um, yeah, I just uh, it just didn't quite work for me fully. Like Kyle said, it was an experience, which it is, but I didn't find it that rewarding or enjoyable. Um, when I go to the movies and I want an experience, I'm looking at movies like Dunkirk and Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> not, not the gold standard three hour hunk of junk <laughs> <laughs> got him okay very cool um so ari aster as a filmmaker kind of rightfully so gets kind of compared to his contemporaries mainly jordan peele and uh, Robert Eggers, a.k.a. We, Bob Egghead. We right? had a conversation about this trio during our Northman review. We did, and we were dying. We were dying for the Ari Aster third feature so that we could have a definitive conversation. And this is something that, if we have time, uh, I would like we to didn't have to. We didn't have Nope at that point yet, right? Northman came first. Northman? Was that on Northman and not Nope? I don't remember which one of those it was. I think we started the conversation... For the Northman app, mm. and we were anticipating Nope and Disappointment Boulevard right. at the time. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> well, if we have time, I would like to circle back to this, but I'm going to come out of the gates and say, out of those three filmmakers, the nine films that they have produced, Bo is Afraid is my favorite Kind of by a lot of oh, nine films. Matt. I, oh my god! <laughs> hey, Travis, of course it I just is. Yeah, you said it was going to go one way or the other, and you, you're right. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that, because I almost, as I was driving to the theater to see this movie, I was trying to come up with every excuse to turn around and go home. Like, the way the movie showtimes worked out, I could only see it at 8.15, and it's like a 30-minute drive to my theater, so it's like, by the time it was over, I was like, ah, it's going to be like 11.30, I'm not going to get home till midnight. So the whole drive, I was like kind of tired and i was like oh man if i start to doze off i'm just gonna get up and leave like i don't you know i was just like every excuse in the book and then i did it i got there i sat down the movie started and i'm not kidding when i say i don't think a movie this long has flown by for me since like probably the irishman if i'm being honest like i was riveted start to finish well, this is a very matte movie and i th I thought you would either love it or hate it because it was uh, not necessarily aping, but it was treading um, some of treading the territory of some of the films that you do cherish. I was initially getting synecdoche New York vibes mm -hmm. a little I bit say, I've, I've to heard start that comparison, I or don't... even I'm thinking of ending things a little bit. Just, 
Kaufman, Kaufman-esque, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was definitely kind of getting those vibes for the first, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes for sure. But I was just constantly on my toes. Like, it's one of those movies where I just, like, I never knew what was going to happen next. I love the central performance. I think a lot of people have, have criticized the movie for being, like, kind of a one-trick pony and, like, kind of one note. And, I mean, I guess I kind of understand where that perspective comes from. But for me, like, I fully bought into the conceit of the film. I think it's one of the most original, like, visionary films that I've seen in quite a while. And I kind of love that he just kind of went for it, you know? Like, for his third feature, like, he just made a three-hour, very kind of personal horror comedy epic about neuroses and anxiety and just like the the way that we shape our worlds based on the relationships that we have with in this film with our with his mother but just generally speaking the way our world view is shaped by you know our familiar relations and I just I fucking lost it, man. I didn't. Well, it was like one thirty <laughs> when I went to bed last night. I just like couldn't Jesus. turn my brain off. I just like kept thinking about the movie and replaying scenes in my head. And uh, we can get into it, get into it more specifically. But uh, I, well, I adored it. I fucking loved it, top to bottom. Matt, I just wanted to make a quick note that you said this was your favorite of the nine films of the three directors that we mentioned previously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This would be my least favorite. I kind of got that impression. And again, like you said, it's not even close. (laughs) Uh, uh, One other note, and then I'll let someone else take the, uh, the floor, but uh, it does feel like Matt, I think you did genuinely love this movie, but um, a lot of people that I've heard talk about it almost sound like they're excusing or defending Ari Aster, like on his boldness or originality for making this. And, while I do agree we need to support artists and work like this, uh, this is not going to be the one I'm going to defend or hang my hat on, at least after this initial viewing. I could change my tune down the road, but again, I don't know when uh, Bo is Afraid and I will meet again. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Uh... I think it's just so immaculately paced. Like for a three-hour movie, I just think the way all of the pieces interconnect and just the imagination that's on display, I was just in awe of this movie the whole time I was watching it. All of the individual characters, all of the just like idiosyncrasies and like it's such a weird movie, but I think it probably... I would say it probably took me about half the runtime to really like kind of get my bearings and figure out like, okay, this is what he's going for. As far as I'm concerned, the movie is just an exploration of like, what if all of your like far-fetched anxieties and just like neuroses that are not rooted in reality, what if they were? You know, what if all of these things were made literal, all of your worst thoughts, all of your racing brain, what if that was made literal? And he just commits to the bit in every step of the way. Like, I just, the way things were portrayed, the way that Bo's decision-making played into this, like, elaborate fantasy that was taking place, I just, like, I couldn't get enough of it. Like, when it was over... Without being specific, I mean, I don't know if we want to do a spoilers or not, but without being specific, when when the title, end title started and the show's, you know, written and directed by Ari Aster, it was dead silent. And then as soon as it said written and directed by Ari Aster, one guy in the crowd very loudly goes, ha! And then everybody just like started laughing. It was like a very uncomfortable, (laughs) like, wow, that's that's how the movie is going to end kind of thing. And I called it, like, when I saw that final image, I was like, this motherfucker, he's going to end the movie on this, isn't he? 
And then he did. And I like, I wanted to do like a stand up and do a golf clap kind of thing, you know, but I, I'm not. You should have, back, Matt. So I did. That I really, <laughs> if I wasn't by myself, I might have, but I really wanted to stand up and do a golf clap. But I just, uh, every decision, like I struggle to find faults in this movie. I will say that. Um, real quick on my theater experience, there it was me and a uh, older woman, and uh, she made it about an hour, I would say. <laughs> Wait, before walking was that out. it? It was just you two. Yep. Oh, dude, I had like there were probably I would say I don't know thirty thirty five people in my theater. To be like, fair, I went to like the first showing on Monday, like afternoon. Monday morning, afternoon. Oh, right, because you have Mondays off now. Okay. Yep. So you were with a retiree who probably didn't know what she was getting into. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure, but she only made it about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Killer experience. Honestly, I wasn't too far behind her, but uh, ended up sticking around for the whole thing. <laughs> Jesus. Right, no, I'd say hour and a half to two hours. I don't know. I started to feel the length towards the end. It, I was started to just get a little, uh, started to check out a little bit. I get it. Yeah. I get uh, it. In terms of like the pacing, I think it's it, it go it weaves settings pretty well. Like it goes to different places and that kind of keeps it moving. Although I did feel the runtime a little bit. Um, and then just in terms of like Matt, you say we we're trying to find faults. I can't really like think of any either it's more of just like that experience you know like travis was saying a dunkirk a mad max like those movies are just so high octane that yeah the the experience is easier to walk away saying that i loved that and this is like something that i think repeat viewings will help it more than anything so like yeah, if I find, who's like, racing if I back fault, to rewatch this besides matt <laughs> I'm I to be honest like a lot of the imagery is stuck in my head uh, I have been thinking about it a lot so yeah that makes me want to rewatch it again how you know I don't know when that's gonna be but um yeah like any faults that I can think of it was more so just like with myself something that maybe I didn't get the first time or pieces might not have fit together but upon repeat viewings maybe that'll come around so I'm excited to rewatch it again and yeah, yeah, I'm excited to watch it for like the little things in the movie and just, um, you know, having experienced it once before, it should be a little bit easier to digest on rewatch. But there's a lot of little things that if you're not like fully into the movie or, you know, locked in, I think those will just completely go over your head. And um, yeah, I do think there's it's obviously it's quite dense and there are a lot of like little things that you could um, like flesh out but yeah not not return to this anytime soon (laughs) yeah well i know matt was saying that it took him a little bit to get his bearings in the movie but i think the beginning like that first setting in those scenes was some of my favorite stuff because of the choices that you were talking about like his choice to like visualize and literally like literalize like anxiety and fear I took it like that none of that stuff was actually happening and I was like kind of like you're putting the headspace of somebody with like crippling anxiety and they're thinking like oh what if somebody came into my apartment building or you know I'm not making any noise but what if my neighbors are mad at me for making noise and just all of these like little things that someone so anxiety ridden and neurotic would think about on a day-to-day basis and like you're visualizing it I loved a lot of that stuff just in his apartment and then I still like the stuff after that but a lot of that stuff was some of my favorite, I would say. Yeah, I think definitely one of the standout scenes for me happens in that first, I, I would say it's probably the first like third, like first act, I guess, of the movie, you could call it. I actually, so before we recorded, I met up with my mom and her friend. Uh, we went up at the local dive bar, bar for like Wednesday happy hour. And they were asking me about this movie because they were like, curious especially my mom's friend she was like had seen a preview and she was like kind of interested in seeing it and i was like 
uh, can't recommend this one to you, but I did describe <laughs> that scene. Basically, I like described what the conceit of the movie was, and specifically, I described the scene where he drinks the pills without water, and he needs to go across yeah. the street, and he puts mm-hmm. the phone book, and just like all of the consequences of that, where you just <laughs> see like dozens of people funneling in. And she got a kick out of that. But even then, I was like, I know that sounded funny, me describing it, but like... I don't I don't recommend this movie to you. You know, like it's it's a hard movie to recommend to people who aren't like the runtime is one thing, right? But like this is a movie where you have to just kind of give yourself over to the fact that he is constructing a fantasy world. Like I wouldn't even go so far as saying it's like happening in his head. Like I do think there is a literal aspect to this movie. It's just not real life you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. there are things that i think you can point to and say this did actually happen and other things you can point to and say this is a fantasy but truthfully in the real world none of this shit would actually happen right so it's like kind of a weird mix of fantasy and reality where it like i think is very intentional in creating a perspective that can be both like present and front and center as far as Bo's perspective being like the anchor point but a lot of what happens is also open to interpretation and you can talk about like is this something that actually happened is this something that is just a perception of Bo's is it a fantasy sequence like some of it is more um, clear, I guess you could say. But for someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies, like I think most people would be pretty flabbergasted <laughs> watching this movie because it is pretty out there. Um, well, one thing too, I think I think it was, I don't know how the marketing, like exactly the perception that people got, but I think people just because of his previous two movies were thinking it was going to be more horror and i think it's more comedic than anything i mean just based on like that story that you were telling your mom's friend like if you think back on a lot of those scenes it's pretty funny to think about like just you know how how stupid that is to think like that some like these all these people are going to go and funnel into your apartment and go into your apartment and throw a party and trash or whatever like (laughs) just that it's so wild and outlandish that it's 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 comedic right but a lot of people i don't know if they went in expecting that so could be to the fault of of them i do there are i do think there are comedic elements but it is a little bit um of like a you know you're watching this guy's like I mean, well, not descent into madness because he's already there, basically. But I don't know. Watching that for three hours isn't that like f- fun or comedic to me. But some people are calling this like a flat-out comedy, and like I get parts of that, but I still don't think it's just like a a fun romp. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a fun romp. Though I will say, I find the movie hysterical. I was laughing out loud a lot throughout the movie so i would i would describe it it, uh, i don't know if i would say it's a comedy first and foremost i think that's maybe a a stretch but like as far as the horror element it's definitely not a horror movie at least in the same vein as as hereditary but i will say like there is a sequence towards the end of the film that is like up there as one of the most horrific scary things that i've seen in in any of his three movies thus far specifically compared to midsummer like uh spoilers but like i thought that was pretty funny also unless we're thinking of something different are you talking about the the attic yeah yeah no that's exactly what i'm talking about okay it is funny it is but once the lights come on it's kind of funny still still grotesque and creepy but like prior to that especially when you see like the image in silhouette Mm -hmm. where it's like it's very unclear what you're looking at but it's obvious that you're looking at something fucked up you know 
Mm-hmm. There's there. I felt a lot of of tension and anxiety, and then you know, then the flashlight comes on, and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then that scene plays out. But I, it was on par with some of the stuff in in Hereditary for me, as far as just like the sheer like horror and anxiety I felt watching it. See, I found that image or moment more comedic than horrific, just because of what it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to I take think, that seriously. <laughs> and I, I think you're. That's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a mixed bag. I think. I mean, it's it's hard not to have that reaction. <laughs> Follow up question, Matt. Do you do you get scared every time you go to the bathroom? Every time. Yep. <laughs> I unzip my jeans and I, I gasp every time. <laughs> 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 I look at a monster every time I drain the stain. You know what I'm um, so it's, but but that scene in particular, and also just some of the stuff that happens in the climax. Uh, I can't be too specific, and I feel like, mm. I mean, is this something that we we think we want to do? Like, spoiler discussion about because I feel like there are. Some things, if we want to talk about them, we should mm-hmm. clarify at spoilers. But to tie in thematically, it might be important, but uh, we can see how it goes. We can do spoilers. All right. Do we want to wrap up uh, general impressions then, real quick? Sure. Sure. All right. Once more around the table, Travis. Um, I'll, I'll take another jab at. Ari Aster here uh, and <laughs> uh, I just think I don't know I, I think he's gotten too too much praise and too quick of a time like we've kind of elevated him as this like next big great director and I don't know if he's quite earned a movie like this like for example Scorsese wasn't making this this type of movie with like his third feature. And I just think there's a lot of like importance, um, like pushed on to Ari Aster. I'm not trying to like discredit him too much, but it does seem like he tried a little too hard with Bo is afraid. And Oh, one last thing. Uh, I did watch the short that this was not necessarily based on, but originated from. And, um, for like a six minute short, I thought it was done very well, but, um, I don't, yeah, watching that, I don't know if we really needed it to go this far or this long to get the point across, uh, because the six minute short was pretty effective to me. And I don't know if we needed to do this whole, like, you know, weird abstract, like three hour epic odyssey type thing to, uh, yeah, I think it could have been just as effective or more effective if he actually stripped it down a little bit or didn't add so much to it, um, you know, from the short. Interesting. Okay, I'll I'll go I'll go next. I'll let you go last, Kyle. Uh, just go just uh, to wrap up general um, impressions. I think that this is a movie I'm excited to return to. Um, it's full of visual cues especially i would say in the first half there's just so many like references in billboards and advertising and tie-ins and especially knowing i will call it a twist knowing what the twist is at the end of the movie and putting all of that into perspective i think there's a lot more like i caught on to a lot of it as i was watching that kind of clicked into place once i had all of the information at the end but i'm sure there's so much more that like didn't make sense or maybe i didn't catch on a first watch so i'm actually very excited to return to this knowing how it ends to be able to be a little bit more like particular so I'm excited to kind of see all of the like the visual and thematic references that are sprinkled throughout this thing because I think it's clearly very rich. Um, but I think it's hands down the best movie I've seen of the year so far. I think it's going to be tough to top this one. I mean, we've, we've got bangers <laughs> like Skinamarink and uh, John Wick giving it a run for its money, but uh, <laughs> I think Bo is afraid is a. Uh, 
is tops for me at this point. So, um, especially coming off the heels of Midsummer, because if I had to pick a least favorite of the nine films of the three filmmakers we discussed earlier, Midsummer would be bottom of the barrel by a long shot for me. So I, I do be, find it interesting that I would be one curious for nine. you to uh, rewatch that, Matt. Oh, me too. I've been curious since people have been like if anything i feel like midsummer has even grown in like yeah you, it's you, renowned you took kind of a <laughs> hero stance on yeah. that one. Oh yeah well i mean it was mixed but yeah i was pretty negative on that i think i gave that movie like a two and a half or something you were ready to knock him down though and i, I was I proud will, of you all Maybe i needed was moment, a reason but... to bump it down yeah all i needed was one more reason to bump it down and i didn't so i am curious but it's funny that, you know, I think my favorite would be this film and my least favorite would be Midsummer. So um, I'm excited to return to it. But on a first watch, I I adored it. I uh, can't remember being so invested in a three hour movie. Like I said, The Irishman is probably the last film of this length that I was like so just balls deep in. Um, so now this doesn't at. top uh, your favorite from last year, right? Mm, come on you, Matt. To, you said you that, that was your f- me. are you joking <laughs> what my favorite movie of last year <laughs> are you joking oh my god you said it's like your <laughs> favorite movie of all of time, all time. <laughs> oh everything everywhere all at once Duh. Duh. come on i was just i was joshing you guys I'm joshing. um they're very very different movies yeah 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 would i would i would i put it above that no i don't think so not at this point okay i mean i would hope not based just on because your on a personal level <laughs> on a personal level i can relate to that movie so much more than this movie like i'm not uh, you know i suffer from some anxiety but i wouldn't consider myself an anxious person in general so there's like this is not something that i can like fully relate to i think there's also a big element of um you know there's like the jewish aspect i think there's a lot of subtext there regarding like the Jewish experience. And I've seen some people talk about how there's like references to the old Testament and like direct quotes from it. And a lot of it is rooted in like a, the neuroses that comes with having like an overbearing Jewish mother. So there's like, it's not something that I can relate to in the same way that I could with everything everywhere all at once. But um, I, I put it up there with, you know, the films of the decade thus far, I think it would be in the mix for top five so far this this decade for sure. Even on a first watch, that's high praise. Um, <clears throat> all right, still have quite a bit to say when I think about it all, but uh, mm-hmm. just to wrap up general thoughts, I I do think that for its runtime, kind of disregarding it as just a movie about anxiety is a little uh, dismissive because I think there's a lot yeah. more thematically going on the anxiety definitely being part of it uh the middle section dealing with jealousy and loss uh there's a huge surveillance aspect yeah i don't connect with a lot of like the jewish faith stuff but i've i've seen those um that those themes come up as well and then obviously parental roles and stuff um playing a big aspect uh at the end as well so a lot yeah and and sex too being a big a big aspect of it um so yeah there's there's a lot to get into and a lot to uh think about and as matt was saying it should get better upon rewatches um and then just touch on some of like my favorite things throughout it i already mentioned a lot of the apartment scenes but um the forest play scene that whole trip was like i thought it was amazing um just that visual visualization (laughs) It's funny too, um, right? Like especially yeah, like funny. as it yeah. goes on, it kind of like devolves into like be it, it gets more literal as it goes on and just like the way that it's delivered, like the the dialogue lines are delivered, it kind of gets <laughs> less and less verbose and just like starts to become more literal like as the realities are like starting to blend together. I got uh there were a fair amount of chuckles in my in my theater during yeah, that for sequence sure. for sure. But like even like the blending of mediums, like I love anytime <clears throat> a movie can do that pretty seamlessly or integrate it like mm-hmm. well. 
Um, also, real quick, so yeah, that sequence, the animated mm-hmm. sequence, uh, that was done by the people who did The Wolf House, the movie that we covered on oh, The Digest. No shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Huge. Just Pretty went cool. up. Pretty cool. <laughs> now they're at five and a half stars now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that. And then uh, the end when um, Parker Posey's character uh, comes back and just how that kind of wraps up and what that is saying thematically as well. Uh, C-U-M so, comes back. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did love seeing her in this movie and her being oh, in this love movie. seeing her. Oh, yeah. You see all of it. Seeing all. Burst right through but, that yeah, No, that scene, that was also, I thought, hilarious and played very well. Yes. But, um, yes. yeah, I, uh, I it's... <laughs> when we talk about those uh those filmmakers again in those nine films i talk about bo is afraid with like i said only thing only praise because i can't really think of the negatives it's more of just an experience watching it but when i think about those movies i have an easy bottom one and that's us for me i just i that i have some personal bias towards it but i hate that movie uh this would be like towards the bottom of those nine films but all of them are like three and a half or four stars or more so it's really it's not saying that any of those are bad except for us um kyle can't get past logical issues in us can't view it for what it is (laughs) yeah i I can't so i mean i recognize my bias but i'm just saying that's of except for those the other eight i think are all very very good to great films and some of them masterpieces so yeah exciting uh exciting time for movies well Eggers can do no wrong in my book. I'm planting my seed in him. <laughs> he's playing. No, he's playing. Oh, yeah. You're playing your seed in his egg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if we have time, I do. Again, I want to circle back to that if we have time. But before we do that, do we want to uh, go ahead and drop stars right here before we put a spoiler disclaimer on this? Sure. I'll I'll go sure. first. It's fuck. It's fucking five stars for me. Everybody <laughs> knows it. It's five stars. Come on. Top five of the decade has to be right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean we're only three years in, but <laughs> I mean come on, Tenet, everything everywhere all oh, at God. once. Yeah, and <laughs> I was afraid. afraid. <laughs> <laughs> me, uh, uh, I, I struggled with this a lot. I am still unsure of my rating. I'm sure this will change. Uh, with a viewing, but I'm going to give it lots of room to grow. I'm going to go a solid 3.5. No three pass here. This movie is going to be right in between Renfield and Megan, and it's a 2.5. What a joke. Renfield is a better film than Bones Afraid. Yes, the high art that is Renfield. Hell yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, so if you have not yet seen the film and you are sensitive to spoilers, check the show notes. Uh, At this point, just fuck off because, you know, this is it. But uh, come back after you see the film. Uh, But let's get into spoilers. Kyle, I would like to give you the floor first because you did mention that you said you had quite a bit left to say. Just uh, pour your heart out, dog. Let me hear. Just get specific. Drain I want to hear what you love, what you hated. giant testicles of yours. Let it all out, man. <laughs> Fill it up. <laughs> I mean, I guess if we start at the beginning, I mean, I really think it's pretty easy to break down the movie into like three acts of, you know, the apartment scene, the middle of him staying with uh nathan fielder and or nathan fielder, nathan, fielder. <laughs> nathan, lane. <laughs> nathan lane i wish it was nathan fielder God. classic johnny's here um no yeah nathan lane that whole scene uh segment and then the end of you know there's obviously the twist but him going to the funeral and just uh so starting from the beginning like him and the therapist and how I guess all of it kind of plays off on the twist. Maybe we should start with that first. It's kind of hard to talk about um, chronologically. <laughs> yeah, starting with the end, the huge twist is revealed that his mom has not died and that she's alive and that it seems like she's playing this whole thing 
some people have been saying that it's planned from the very beginning and it seems to be like a huge guilt trip and to almost enact judgment on him as a person and um and then the very very end is is a literal trial for his life i guess like how did you view the movie like did you think that she had planned this whole thing and just how the end plays out in regards to the twist i do think that the whole thing was planned out and i think pretty much every single character that you interact with is like on the payroll so to speak on it with a few exceptions (laughs) i think where the movie really starts is when the therapist character writes guilty on the paper Mm. the notebook when he responds i can't remember specifically what the question was but he asked him if he felt guilty about not visiting more often i think if i remember correctly that was the question do you feel guilty that you don't visit more often something like that and he hesitates and he says no but then he writes guilty i think that is kind of what kicks the rest of the movie into motion. And I do think part of the irony and like the humor of the film is that it, it all revolves around this phone call about him calling his mom and saying his keys got stolen and like his suitcase (laughs) and stuff. I think that did actually happen. And that was basically the only thing that she didn't manipulate in the scenario. So from her perspective, it was all a ploy to like be spiteful and be a horrible son and all of this stuff. Whereas from his perspective, he, it, he really did have his shit stolen and he wanted, you know what I mean? So I think that's mm-hmm. part of the, 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 the irony of the whole film. But I do think basically every character that we interact with for the most part is, uh, is in on it. At least that's how I interpret it. So it was definitely a revelation and, one one thing I'll mention before I um, pass the mic is that, um, God, what's the word? So he goes back to the home for the funeral and there's like the mosaic. There's the mosaic of his mother's face and it's comprised of a bunch of faces. When it zooms in on the faces, all of those faces, I don't know how many of those like you guys were able to like pinpoint. I only Just pinpointed two. Well, so the middle one was Parker Posey and then then Nathan Fielder. I saw him too. I'm curious to go back and see like a still, a still image of that because I wonder if all of those people. Yeah, I wonder if there's like background characters that are like less impactful, but they're, they're, you know, you could make the connection if you paused it and did your homework. Right. Because my eyes were drawn to those two and I think that's probably intentional, but it it went too fast for me to like, you know. I, I was like, oh my God, is that so-and-so? And then it was gone. You know what I mean? So it's like, I am curious to go back and, and kind of see that. But I, I did view it as like, it was all kind of an elaborate ruse. <laughs> yeah. And that with the, uh, with the mom and like, obviously like the daughter wouldn't be on, on in on it. And she kind of breaks the illusion at one point where, uh, what does she say? Hold on. Uh, Oh, yeah. The daughter says, like, you failed the test. And uh, Amy Ryan's character is saying, like, don't incriminate yourself. There's a lot of, like, lines in that in that house that leads, you know, you to make that connection. But she's not in on it. She actually did lose her brother. And I think she's feeling, you know, some type of way towards Bo when her parents are being weird about it. And uh, another great scene that I didn't mention with the paint scene and just those even like the colors that they choose and mm-hmm. g- giving what color to which person it's all very intentional and yeah a lot of that stuff was uh pretty good that was another scene that was like pretty tough to watch like seeing like her bloodshot eyes after she like ingested the paint and like the way they made it seem like she was like bloated and poisoned was like even the sounds that it made when when Amy Ryan was like trying to resuscitate her, it was like gross. Like uh, there yeah, were some true, yeah. really good touches there. Um, so I, I agree. I love that scene a lot. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more horrific moments of the movie. I do think uh, back to like the the main idea of the movie or the 
um, the main thrust of it. I do think, and maybe you guys can shed some light on this. I think it's a little weird or odd to kind of uh, set this all up or, you know, how the mom has basically like hired everyone to a degree to like be in on it or whatever. It seems kind of weird to do that to someone who's in this sort of like fragile or mental state because obviously they're not going to respond to it that well. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's super intentional, though, because, I mean, that's like that's the natural extension of like his neuroses and feeling like he can't be honest with his mother and feeling like he's under her thumb and not being able to have an honest like emotional conversation with her. Like that's the natural conclusion to all of that. As far as like the overbearing mother, the fact that she's been like surveilling him literally his entire life and his entire life is on trial. Like that's the natural conclusion to the conceit of the film. You know what I mean? So but doesn't like, she yeah. know that he he deals with this sort of stuff? Like he has these neuroses and like deals with anxiety. So I don't know, maybe be a little bit more understanding or sympathetic towards your own son. Yeah. In, a, in the real the world. Yeah. And the flashbacks, I think, are kind of leading to that, too, where, uh, yeah, it might be like over the top, but I think that's part of it and part of the culture but over time i mean just put yourself in the too. parent's shoes like if you know your son like even if it was your fault or your you know doing that made him this way don't you think eventually you would like come to light or like see it from his point of view or like i don't know it just seems a little weird to go like this hard and a lot of it's in his head so it's hard to really say you, you know and it's a very like a abstract movie with some abstract ideas. So you could forgive it just for that reason alone, but it just seems weird to put him through all of this given his like state of being. Yeah. But I think it's important to note that the whole film is, is from Bo's perspective. Like I, you know, the, I alluded to the fact that there's, there's clearly some things that do happen literally that you can point to and be like, this is a thing that actually happened in this film's world, but it's a very hyper specific world that is being created here. Like I, I think it's, it's super intentional that she is so like, she can only think of herself like it, it it's, it's part of, of his character like his perception of his mother i don't think that if if this were a more realistic film maybe we would see more empathy and there would be a moment where she realizes that you know she has put her son through incredible emotional turmoil but that's not the version of the mother that's presented in the film from his perspective it's the natural conclusion of like all of his worst assumptions and ideas about his mother's feelings toward him. You know what I mean? Like it's all rooted in her as from his perspective, it's all rooted in her giving everything that she has. Like she has that monologue of like, she squeezed every last bit of love and her love is just like so toxic and like overwhelming and overbearing that it just like, crippled him as a person like i get where you're coming from well it definitely seems like there's a disconnect because it's such an elaborate setup that it just seems weird that she would go through that to i don't know for lack of a better word torment him i mean even though a lot of it i think is just himself tormenting himself but yeah. Yeah. due to you know his upbringing and what he's had to deal with as a child and growing up um but it still just seems a little too elaborate for what it's going for. Well, they have to do that. I, th I think that's part of the reason why they set up the mother character as being the CEO of this everything company. Like the fact, I, th I think <laughs> the, the way it's presented in the film is that like her company is like, 
like beyond Amazon. You know what I mean? Like every little thing along the way the company has like implemented like TV like, dinners, the prescriptions, microwave. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> home appliances, TV dinners, like sunscreen, shaving products, like everything as a one for comedy, I think, but also as like a means of explaining away like the infinite amount of resources that she has at her disposal, you know, cause she mm-hmm. goes to great lengths to like set up this scenario where he's put on trial. So, I mean, part of it is play for laughs, but it's, it's also just one like, big sick joke. Kind of. Yeah. I think that, that is, that's, that, that is playing into Bo's neuroses. You know what I mean? So I think it is weird and it's not how quote unquote normal people would act in the real world setting, but it's uh, fitting. Like I didn't, I didn't bat an eyelash at all of that stuff. Like it, (laughs) if anything, it's, I think it was done perfectly as far as like the lengths that she would go to, to prove her own position and perception in like all of the things that she has done for him over his life and to try and validate like her treatment of him, you know, no self-awareness. Yeah. In the framing of a movie and this movie in particular. Yeah. It's very, it's very specific. It's very particular. And, uh, that's going to work for some people. It's not going to work for, for others. It's like you're either in or you're out. I feel like with this movie and, uh, it does very much seem like people are going one way or the other for the most part. Mm-hmm. In terms of the weirdness, I I could be misremembering, but another thing that I liked was that his, I don't think it ever goes away from Bo's point of view, right? Like, I don't think it ever cuts away to two other characters interacting that don't really have anything to do with Bo or anything like that. It's, uh, and and in terms of things actually happening, like you were saying, in the universe of the movie, like she has this whole thing orchestrated, and it's interesting that I think the only thing that she didn't have a real hand in was the play scene in the forest, because that was kind of almost like random. He escaped right this house and stumbled upon that, and then that's also the point where he dreams about what his life would have been like on his own or like without his mother. Just the way that that parallels is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that he like the two realities merge and at one point Joaquin Phoenix's character like takes over in the scene. You know what I mean? And then the rest of it plays out as like a continuation of what his life could have been. And it's not Mm -hmm. broken until his his sons make a comment like, well, dad, if you've never had sex, like how did you make us? And then that's when like the whole reality comes crashing down and he's just back. He's just back in yeah. the woods watching that play. Like <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, but just the way that whole sequence plays out is just like so like visually attractive and interesting and thematically it's so cool. And very funny. And then the, the way the rest of that scene plays out where the guy comes, uh, the the guy who served the with the family's vet. brother yeah. where he's got like all the fucking like military tech and he just starts fucking mowing down people in the forest. Like it's just so absurd. He like trips and just like is like shooting himself. <laughs> Yeah, he falls on his own gun and just gets blasted through his shoulder. It's so funny. It's such a so fucking strange, but yeah, that's good shit. Yeah, very funny. Um, uh, yeah. Go for last it. Uh, thing, I guess, for spoilers or, or that I would say for spoilers is the the end. Also, the reveal that we were kind of dancing around before. The penis monster, and she calls that his father, and that he's been trapped in the attic. I mean, there's, like I said, a lot of themes with sex and just parental roles and stuff like that, but I couldn't really make heads or tails of what he was trying to say with that. Well, I I viewed that as, like, I think throughout the this film I, we get this per mm-hmm. perspective that the mother is, like, 
she doesn't expose him to many other men. She is single. She sleeps in the bed with him and is very overbearing and like kind of sexual. You know, there's like some weird like definitely uh, some definite definite like sexual overtones with like yeah, their relationship. Hot. Little Oedipal. <laughs> Travis had a boner the whole time. Um, <laughs> but I think that that is a manifestation of like the way that she has shaped other men in his life that men are just like grotesque penis monsters full of cum. You know what I mean? That's like a visual manifestation of like what men represent to her is how mm-hmm. I viewed that. It's like Isn't a that literal, all we are? a literal penis cum monster <laughs> that lives in the attic. Like that's you how claim I to be more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. All I aspire but. to be. <laughs> yeah. It, well, there was a thing too, that. where she, she traps like him up there and then he sees himself up there. And so that's why I knew like his own like sexual repressed energy. It couldn't have been that because it, it seems like he, when like he, gains some confidence or whatever she like traps him away in the attic and then we see the visual manifestation of that he's like you know tied to a pole or, or uh, the beam and is like you know bearded well, i think his giant balls are the representation of that yeah i've been hold, holding in eating yeah. come for that long <laughs> they're just uh, yeah I mean, where's it gonna go right it's got they gotta grow it <laughs> Well, yeah, so just on that the... part was uh, probably more confusing than the rest of it. I think the rest of it is well, almost more. I, I viewed but... the whole penis monster thing as like, yeah, kind of like what Matt said is that the dad and maybe men in general are nothing more than just like the the thing that helps you know uh, create the child, but then beyond that, like, eh. Or, you know, in, in his relationship specifically, like, uh, his dad's, you know, his dad's cum was, like, the only thing that really <laughs> was, like, the only part of his life. Because, you know, after after he was conceived, the father did not really play a role in his life. So, the visual representation of that is literally his dick. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and to, so... Uh, one last thing, like an extension of that, the scene where he loses his virginity to Parker Posey and he comes and he has this like moment of realization where he was like, oh my God, my whole life was a lie. And you think maybe that's where the movie is going to like let off the gas and like the walls are going to come down and it's going to be like, oh my God, like he's finally going to stand up for himself and realize that like all of this shit was a lie. But then the, then it, the, the worldview comes back into play and it's like, Oh, it wasn't him that dies when he comes. It's his come or like her coming that kills her and she dies. So it's like, in one sense he has a weight lifted cause he's like, well one, I mean, that's a lot of come like, of course, literal weight. Yeah. He has a literal weight off of his shoulders that is gone. And he has a moment of clarity, off the post, post not clarity. But then, you know, it's at the expense of a life being taken. And, like, the way that that is cut, like, him, like, making eye contact with her. And then you see the brief moment of horror. And then just, like, her body on top of him and, like, the bloodshot eyes. Like, oh, it was so good. But, like, that was, like, for me, that was what kicked off. fully set in already. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. She doesn't move. So good. (laughs) It's full of cum. There's nothing but body full of cum. Um and then I, that's what kicks off like the the events of the rest of the movie, like which I loved. Mm. But I just thought that yeah, was such I, a I, funny like reversal there. Like my, there were audible gasps in my theater when that <laughs> happened. Matt, you were dancing around a uh, I think you should leave skit, weren't you? Big fat load to come. Big fat load to come then. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. Uh, yeah, my no, very last no. thoughts. <laughs> my very last thoughts would be the. And the trial and the final shot I thought was incredible how it kind of lingers on like a theater of people, costume of people leaving. Leaving slowly. Like what <laughs> what you would be I mean, like when credits are rolling, that's what you're doing and by the end it's just an empty theater and yeah. I mean I like 
I don't tend to stay for the whole, all the credits a lot of times, but I watched the majority of them in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it was just, it was so good. Like I said, like as soon as I saw like the boat capsized and like the bubbles and like him clearly dying, I was like, and I saw the people in the audience start to leave. I was like, this is it. He's going to put the title. He's going to put the directed by credits over this. And then he did. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. Beautiful. All right. All right. Are we, uh, are we wrapping up? Is that it? Is that going to do her? That's it for me. Uh, that for Bo's Afraid, yeah. Woof. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, maybe have the the, uh, the Ari Aster, Bob Egghead, Jordan Peele conversation. We'll save it for another day now that we've got uh, three features from each of them. But uh, we'll we'll save that. We'll save that for later. So, um, all right. Well, I mean that's gonna do it for this episode. Quite the fruitful conversation. Lots to say. Um, lots of different opinions. I think that was a fun one. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll have to wait and see what's on the docket. Kyle, thank you for joining us. I know we uh, we had other plans in place, but they just uh, that's just the way hey. the cookie crumbles sometimes, you know? Roll with the punches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Travis, I heard a... Was there, was there something coming after mm, that? No, I don't, I don't think I did. Yeah, a... No, just a... Maybe that was Kyle. It was not me. Maybe. All right. These lips That's are gonna sealed. do it for this episode. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next time. We'll have to wait and see what's in store. But uh, thank you for being with us. Catch you later. Bye. I wrote a song about you, and it turned out to be true. And as I fell into the